Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the New Books Network. A man's legs appear not three feet from Lenny's face. Slick, flat fish hang vertically, one after the other against one leg, their green bronze scales painted in downward streaks of blood from mouths gaffed by a rusted stinger. The man's knees and elbows fold downward and slowly collapse into a skinny squat beside where Lenny is wedged under the dock. The chained fish splat into the mud, jingle, jingle. Son, grizzled face. The man reaches lower toward him, slowly then snatches his hand away, claps them three times, goes still. Lenny realizes the man thinks he's wide-eyed dead. This is G.P. Gottlieb, host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. And today I'm talking with our Kathy Daniels, Her debut novel, Live Caught, is set where she grew up, in western North Carolina. Her protagonist is Lenny, a 14-year-old who lost an arm thanks to his abusive brothers and who thinks his father might have been preparing him to escape to the Atlantic Ocean. He steals money in a small boat, but a torrential storm destroys everything he owns and leaves him at the mercy of the tide. He'd have died if a profanity-slinging priest hadn't been fishing nearby. And now the priest offers Lenny some kind of salvation. Hi, Kathy. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, Galit. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to our discussion. So how did you come to write a novel at this stage of your life? And why was this the story you chose to tell? Well, um, as far as why I wrote a story at this point, point in my life. Um, you know, I, it's been sort of a dream of mine uh, my whole life, and I'd been pretty unsuccessful at it. I have been a reporter, and I've written short stories and poems uh, for myself. But whenever I tried to write a novel, uh, I failed miserably. So um, I heard about Stanford novel writing program. 
out of Stanford University. It's a two-year program, and it's a jury program. So I submitted work, and I was fortunate enough to be accepted in 2013. Um, Of course, then I needed uh, a novel to write, uh, an idea. So I opened up um, a writing book that was full of prompts, and I just took the first prompt that came along, um, and that prompt was... Uh, as fast as you can, don't think, uh, write three opening sentences to a novel, pick one and make a paragraph and then make a page and then make a chapter. And if you like it, just keep going. So that's what I ended up doing. Um, I really loved the sentence I wrote, uh, one of the sentences I wrote, um, and it turned out that uh, I went ahead and wrote 250 pages, 300 pages beyond that. Um, the, the sentence is no longer in the book, but it served me well uh, throughout throughout the book. So that's that's kind of how I started. Wow, you might have to start a whole other book using that sentence and keeping it in. <laughs> yeah, that that sentence deserves some credit. It deserves some credit for sure. So. Lenny is just 14, and it's clear that he's come from an abusive household. Why didn't his parents protect him from his brothers? Yeah, um, so the book has a lot of mental illness in it. It's kind of under the surface because the book was uh, started back in the night. The setting was started back in the 1970s, the late 60s uh, to the mid 70s, and then 10 years later in the 80s. And not a lot was known about some of the mental illness, so I've sort of kept that below radar. But um, the mother in the book is a uh, a doctor, a psychologist, and she takes care. She takes care of many of the people in the uh, various countryside uh, places where um, there is a lot of mental illness, and she's trying to help people. But she also has uh, what's now called uh, borderline personality disorder, and I kind of based her on uh, Dr. Marsha Marsha Lineham, who. Um, did a lot of work back in the 70s and groundbreaking work on behavioral therapy. And she also had borderline personality disorder and she diagnosed herself and treated herself. So the mother is based on that character. Um, And the father is very much wrapped up in trying to help the mother cope. So they are wrapped up in each other. Plus, the older son, Jude, um, has narcissistic personality disorder. Though <laughs> I, I know I'm going a little bit deep into this, probably deeper than you meant, but those two disorders are really powerful um, antagonists. They can really wreak havoc on a family to have both of those in the same family. So the father was wrapped up in trying to protect the mother from herself and from her older son. The mother was wrapped up in trying to deal with her own mental illness while she coped with all the countryside and with her older son. So Lenny kind of got um, swept under the rug 
uh, for the most part. Um, he, he was pretty self-sufficient from his parents' viewpoint. And um, I think it was very difficult for them to pay attention. He, he wanted them to pay attention, but he did not get the attention he needed. Yeah, I didn't know that Jude was, I didn't, I'm not a psychologist, so I, I didn't yeah, diagnose either. him. <laughs> As a musician, I didn't diagnose him with narcissism. <laughs> I thought he was psychopathic. He was cruel. He was terrible to his brothers. And what about Frank? What Did he have a disorder too? Why did he follow everything Jude told him to do? Yeah, I think that happens uh, frequently. Um, you know, if you've got a bully in the family, it's very, or anywhere, really, it's very difficult uh, when you're closely aligned with that person to pull away and think straight and make the right decisions for yourself and for your family. And I think Frank was trying to survive uh, when they were younger. Um, so the best way to survive was to go along and be the bully's best friend. And he turned into sort of a, a henchman for Jude's um, misdeeds against Lenny. Mm -hmm. So why, after Lenny runs away, doesn't anyone look for him? It's already, it's the 1970s, 80s, which I know firsthand um, was was a time when kids under 16 were already required to be in school in most states, but it didn't seem like anyone was looking for him. Yes, uh, and that's part of the uh, mystery, I think, of the, of the story that unfolds for Lenny as he um, wonders at himself, right? He, uh, I think, hoped that his parents would look for him in some ways and on some levels he wished they would search for him and he starts to slowly realize that they are not searching and uh, what has happened actually is that his father as uh, they, they did a lot of boating together him and his dad and his dad had this dream of paddling their boat from the Carolina rivers all the way to the Atlantic Ocean and his father um, built Lenny a word path, basically a word map that he could follow um, through Lake Norman and uh, through the rivers and where he would have to portage and how he would get to the Atlantic Ocean. And Lenny always thought that that was just his father's dream and that one day they might do it. But, you know, he was a kid. He knew it was a dream. He hoped, uh, but it never came to pass until Lenny decided to run away. And he had that word map in his head. And eventually, much later, when Lenny, you know, 10 years later, when Lenny was a young adult, he began to realize that, yes, indeed, his thoughts about his father were coming true, that really his father had built that word map for him. His father knew that Lenny was in trouble. And he knew he was in trouble at home and he did not know what else to do about it. So his dad um, basically gave him an out and, and Lenny took it. And I think Lenny was glad and appreciated that his father did that for him, even though it had seemed that his father was not paying attention. His father did know and he knew he couldn't protect him in any other way. So he... He gave him the word map. Yeah. What can you say about 
Father Damien. And can you explain what he means? He was, from the very first moment we meet him, he's speaking in riddles. What does he mean by the anti-miracle? <laughs> yes, he, um, you know, Father Damien um, speaks to a lot of things that are dear to me. He, um, he, he it wasn't all that long ago when our identity belonged to ourselves. Do you know what I mean? Uh, No buckets. Unless you were a criminal or a saint, there was not a stringent line where you fit in. Your identity was your own. Mm -hmm. Uh, You could fight underground for abortion rights and be for prohibition, to take an extreme example for when I wasn't actually living. You could vote for Kennedy and be anti-quote-unquote women's lib. There were just not the buckets. And I think this is what the priest in my book is fighting against, this identity crisis where your identity is completely wrapped up in groupthink. So he was sort of anti-groupthink. And he wanted to prove that uh, miracles might be something completely different than what uh, the readers or what his uh, parishioners might think of as miracles. I don't want to say too much more about the anti-miracle because it's such an integral part of the plot, but mm-hmm. um, I do think that he, he was fighting against uh, stereotypes. Uh, for the that's interesting. Yeah, that's a that's a really good answer. Why doesn't he, uh, the old man, as Lenny calls him, <laughs> but it's Father Damien. Why doesn't he ask anything about Lenny, not even his name? You know, I don't think he really wants to know a lot about Lenny. I, I don't know if you you uh, got this from the book or not, but uh, the, the cop in the book um, was also a lost boy or a runaway. And I think the priest um, had a long line of helping people who were in trouble and realizing that, um, you know, you have to give them time to heal. Uh, It might not be the best thing to turn them back into the home where they came from. Um, His, the priest's main motivation is to help other people. Uh, And he, I think he was true to that throughout, throughout the book. Mm -hmm. Can you say more about the police officer? Uh, Well, he was a good foil for just about everybody in the book. Um, I needed somebody who could fight a little bit against the priest and could reveal uh, what the priest was up to and how the priest funded the parish. And uh, I needed a way really for uh, the priest to uh, get into some trouble and the cop was a good way for that to happen. It gave Lenny also uh, two adults to ping his mind off of. Uh, He could look at both of them and see their faults. And uh, I think he could figure out some things about his own life through watching them. Uh, I think the cop just played a, a, a nice, he's a tertiary character. He's not a main character. Um, but I thought he hopefully plays a nice role in terms of bringing to light what the priest is up to 
and what Lenny uh, eventually, how Lenny eventually gets into trouble. Yeah. It's unclear why Lenny becomes friends with Raymond, except that Lenny's immediately worried about the way Raymond's taking care of his baby daughter. Yes. Yes. <laughs> from, the very, from the very beginning, uh, when he meets the daughter, I think Lenny really falls for her in terms of just wanting to help and wanting to uh, keep her safe. He has an immediate parental feeling for her, for Romy. Uh, that's her name. And uh, Raymond doesn't do such a good job of caring for Romy. He tries in his own weird way, uh, but he he fails. And Lenny can see that he's failed. And Lenny can see that there are problems in that family. And he, you know, Romy is sort of the parallel to Lenny. Uh, Romy comes into the picture because I felt like Lenny needed to be able to see uh, what he's been through and how it might be dealt with better than what happened with him. So I think that was important. And, and Raymond was just sort of the, the vehicle there. Because he needed a savior. And so he got to be someone else's. That's a really savior. good way to put it. That's a really maybe. Yeah. So uh, Artemis seems like the most normal character in the cast. Is she <laughs> normal? Uh, wow, I don't know how you would describe normal there, um, but uh, level-headed. Level-headed. Uh, yeah, she. I think she is probably the most level-headed cast member. Again, she's she's not a main character, but she plays a pretty big role in the plot. And she, um, you know, she's just this uh, loving person, but has a lot of control over the town. And she does have a lot of smarts and she kind of helps the priest in many ways that he doesn't really want to be helped. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that's a good way to describe her. So, Lenny tries to be tough, but sometimes he's a soft touch, like when he saves a little boy during a fire. How, after having come from such an abusive household, does he have that spark of humanity? <laughs> you know, I don't know the answer to that, really, um, I th other than to say that I think we all have it. And it, under the right circumstances, uh, we will display it. And I think, I guess, too, his parents did love him. Um, he had to overcome a lot of things that they never saw. But I think seeing his dad along the rivers and fishing and talking about his war life and talking about the farmers I think that probably sparked that humanity in Lenny and growing up on a farm and taking care of animals um, and, and Buford. Uh, Buford was a character in his life. He gave him his first job and cared for him um, in many ways. And I think all those people had a big effect on him, like so many different people in our own lives. Um, can have a big effect that we may not even know that they're having.
Mm, that's true. Um, what's wrong with Lenny's father? Um, he's depressed. You mean it in the second part of the book? Mm-hmm. Yes, he is depressed. Um, he has lost his wife. He's lost his youngest son uh, by his own hand uh, by sending Lenny away. He knows his oldest son is terribly troubled. He sees Frank, his middle son, as uh, working hard, but but caught in the midst of all of this. Um, things haven't turned out for him like he would like or for his family. And I think he is just depressed. And you start to see him come back uh, from that a little bit when Romy comes into the picture. Mm-hmm. We don't learn how Lenny managed manages to pull his life together after the fire. How did you imagine those years for him? That's an interesting question. Um, I feel like during those years, he and and actually, actually, I have to say, I have written a lot of scenes for those years uh, that did not make the book. Um, and in those scenes, I see him uh, taking intermittent care as much as possible of Romy as she grows. You know, when we start the book, Romy is a baby. And at the end of the book, Romy's uh, 11. And so those years, uh, he has been working uh, to help Raymond be a better father trying to make Romy's life better for her. Uh, And I think writing those scenes, even though they did not make the book, just as writing, I wrote many scenes from Lenny's youngest days before he um, lost his arm. Uh, So writing those scenes helped me understand it, but I did not think they really needed to be in the book. Hmm. Wow. So it was very, um, very moving, emotionally draining at times, a little bit scary at times, <laughs> but also a lot of hope. And there's a there's a future there. So 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 I enjoyed your book. Thank, Thank you. you. I'm so glad you you found hope there. I, I, I certainly did also. Yeah. So what are you working on next? Well, you know, I'm trying to approve. Um, I'm midway through my second novel. It's not a sequel. It's all new characters. Um, but I like to make uh, improvements as I go, of course. And I think uh, this past year, I've, I've read a lot of uh, Louise Erdrich and a lot of Richard Rousseau. And I see that they are great interiority authors. And I see that I seem to stop way short of what should likely be my destination. I think I might be a just enough writer. I want to give the reader just enough information to entice them onward. And that's not such a bad thing. It moves the story along. But I think I can get deeper. And so that's what I'm working on in my next novel, diving a little deeper into my characters' hearts than I've gone before. South uh, North Carolina again? Uh. You know, yes, I think the setting is North Carolina. I haven't really set that down yet. It's not a lot of mountains and farm. It's more city life, but it 
probably is in North Carolina. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Just confirming. Yes. <laughs> anyway, thank you for joining me today, Kathy. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. I really appreciate the discussion. And thank you for joining me today. Again, this is G.P. Gottlieb, host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today I've been talking to author R. Kathy Daniels about her Southern Gothic novel, Live Caught. Hope you're all able to lose yourself in a good book today and tomorrow too. Happy reading!